a third real major theme was uh, everybody doesn't think the way that we do. And my wife Celia, you know, is a is a guidance counselor in an elementary school, and she's been telling me for almost 30 years, you know, Henry, as shocking as this is for you, everybody doesn't think the way you do. And often it's been a little hard for me to hear, but that's another big area. This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. This is a show for leaders about taking leadership to the next level. If you desire to learn to be a better leader, this podcast is for you. I promise to give you practical leadership tips you can use right away. My passion is to help you lead more effectively. Welcome to this podcast, Emotional Intelligence Reloaded. The podcast I did a few months ago on emotional intelligence with Henry Deneen, episode 31, has been the most downloaded show to date on iTunes. So it seems to be it really struck a chord with a lot of people. Very glad. It's emotional intelligence is all about helping leaders and everybody understand their blind spots. So today we're going to revisit with Henry three months later. This is not a regurgitation of what we did on the last show, but it's an update three months later and the changes he saw in his leadership team. He's going to tell you about the process that he took his leaders through over a three-month period and how he took his team members up a few notches on their EQ because of this process. You'll find the notes on HansFinzel.com on my podcast page. Uh, he, he mentions a number of tests and as well as reference books that are great. I also want to let you know that I have a special secret offer for a free book from Hans that I have tucked away later in the show. I really want to learn more about you, my listeners, so I'm going to give you a chance to get a free book sent to you from me autograph and you'll learn about that later in the show before we listen to the interview with henry i want to share a little bit of feedback i got from one of my listeners thank you all so much for writing me and uh, sharing the good feedback and here's what one of my listeners one of you said recently i will never give away names but here's what he said thank you for your part one message on delegation the importance of superiors prioritizing work and trusting their subordinates to get things done. You illustrate with your example of Jethro providing advice to Moses on how to set up a local form of government. And I thought when I read that, wow, that's not exactly what I was thinking he did. But hey, good point. Occasionally, managers get distracted, intentional or not, from this fundamental principle. I look forward to part two of your series on delegation. Thanks so much for that feedback. You can always write me and find my contact information at hansfinzel.com or just make a blog comment on my homepage there. Okay, now let's listen to this great follow-up interview with Henry Deneen on Emotional Intelligence Reloaded. Well, Henry, welcome to this podcast. Hans, thank you. It's great to have you here down in Monument all the way from Denver. Yes, we're down here in Monument, Colorado at the office of Henry Deneen. Beautiful office, by the way. And uh, thanks for letting me barge in on your busy day and, and interview you today. Well, what a blessing for me. Glad you're here. We have had a previous podcast, you and I, uh, podcast number 31 on emotional intelligence. And I was telling you this morning, this was the number one highest rated podcast in terms of listeners. Wow. So you must have quite a tribe of followers. 
<laughs> well, you know, honestly, I think it, it goes more to this subject and how relevant it is and how important it is for all of us in our personal lives and in our professional lives. That's what we found during this journey. Well, I know in my feedback uh, that I got from that first podcast, uh, episode 31, is, yes, a lot of people seem to be very interested in learning more about this topic. It's very practical for anybody that works with people. And as you've told me uh, this morning, it even applies to family life, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. And I'll share as we get on into the podcast about how uh, our leaders in Greater Europe Mission are actually using this with family members and others already. Wonderful. Well, let's start a little bit with your background. Tell the listeners who is Henry Denny. A little bit of your, you have a fascinating background, and tell them, uh, we all do, but uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Oh, well, you're kind. I was a trial lawyer in South Carolina. I'm sure you can tell by my accent. I think we can all tell by your accent. In fact, we have our, our British leader of mobilization always speaks. When he speaks after me and he says, now I'm going to speak so people can understand me uh, <laughs> now that they've listened to Henry. But uh, I was a trial lawyer and a city judge. I then uh, represented the governor of South Carolina, committed believer whom you know well, David Beasley, and just a great journey in that uh, realm before heading to seminary out in San Francisco. Uh, out there three years just had a wonderful time there planning a church. We set up an organization that worked among prostitutes in downtown San Francisco. It was a great journey. The Lord called us over to North Africa. Uh, we worked in a closed country in North Africa, lived in southern France with our four kids, my wife Celia. Just a great journey. I learned a lot. Patience. Had a professor said, you know, Henry, you need to pull your voice down about 10 decibels when you're moving to a foreign country. You know that. You know how <laughs> it do. is. And just really shaping me and really acquainting us with the Muslim world, working a lot in Sudan, Yemen, Tunisia, Egypt, Libya. Those were great years. After that, set up an organization with David uh, called the Center for Global Strategy, whose purpose was to really uh, introduce business people to the nations. And I was doing that when I was called to Jim, beginning September 1 of 2007. So now you're here, the CEO, president of, of Jim. And by the way, you did say that right about our four children. You know, whenever I say my four children, I get in trouble with my wife. So, oh, yes. So you said it right. Well, and I've said for years, I'm I'm actually an appendage. Yes. You know, when I walk oh, in a yeah. room with Celia and the kids, it's always a great greetings for Celia and the kids, and, oh, Henry's here, too. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you have four amazing uh, adult kids now, as do we, and isn't that a blessing to, just to watch them grow and thrive and become adults and actually become our friends? Yeah. Well, let's talk about emotional intelligence. Uh, I'm real interested in this topic of emotional intelligence, as are our listeners. Let's just start at the beginning. What the heck is EI? Yeah. The way I've described it in my thesis, working up at Denver Seminary, is that there are so-called hard skills and soft skills. And so emotional intelligence would be a part of soft skills for people. And we're finding more and more research from the secular world, especially, that while in the past people have been more interested in hard skills, that is, where did you go to school, that kind of thing, now they're far more interested in soft skills. How do you get along with a team? Do you listen? Do you look people in the eye? 
do you interact well with people? Do you manage your own emotions well? And that helps you manage the emotions of others. Those are all of the things that constitute emotional intelligence, subtlety, finesse, coming into a room and understanding the dynamics of a room. Uh, so that in broad terms is what emotional intelligence is. So the more soft side of relating to people and understanding yourself and your blind spots as opposed to the hard skill side. This is huge for teams working together yes. as well as recruitment, right? Hiring, uh, you know, looking for the right people to hire to put on your team. Absolutely. And, and we found here at Jim that it's been a big help. It's been a big help to me not only in my personal journey with my family and who I am as a person, a follower of Christ, but also as we build our team, as we hire people, as we uh, intersect with folks from other cultures. You know, there, there, there's emotional intelligence, there's relational intelligence, and now there's a growing field called cultural intelligence, which with a missions agency is critical. Yes. Excellent. Now, I just want to remind our listeners that uh, we did a lot of background information on emotional intelligence in uh, episode 31, and you did a great job there. So they might want to go back there if they want to get some more great background. But we're going to jump into now a fascinating project. I'm helping you as one of your uh, dissertation advisors. You are pretty well done. I yes. just got the dissertation in the mail, <laughs> a big old thing that we're going to you're going to have your oral defense coming up soon. Congratulations. Yes. Thank on you. Getting that thing done and printed and i'm sure your defense will go great but uh i am fascinated that a president and ceo of a large global enterprise would not only be interested in emotional intelligence but you took your leadership team through this as part of your dissertation project yes. let's unpack that oh it's fantastic and and really is kind of the culmination of this study for me of emotional intelligence when I first uh, had a class at Denver Seminary and the professor brought up the subject of blind spots, I said to myself, this is something I need to learn more in. It's something I need to grow in. Hearing feedback, receiving feedback, giving feedback, all those kinds of things resulted in this project. So in my thesis, uh, I undertook a three-month project with our leadership team in Jim. Uh, it's people based primarily in Europe, one a leader in Canada, one here in the United States along with me. And the purpose was to see if we could train in developing and growing our emotional intelligence from a scientific point of view as well as from a just a personal sort of anecdotal point of view. And it was fascinating, Hans, what happened. So we started the module by reading two of the books that I think I mentioned in the first podcast, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, uh, and this book I'll refer to in just a moment called Immunity to Change. So they read those books, and we talked about those books. Emotional Intelligence 2.0 is sort of a primer, and then Immunity to Change gets more into the specifics that I was asking them to do. We also took, at the first of the training module, a scientific test. Uh, the initials are MSCEIT. It's three gentlemen name and then emotional intelligence test. Fascinating. 
you look at people's faces, for example, like I'm looking at your face now, and so I'm thinking to myself, now, what is Hans feeling? It's definitely not anger. It's definitely not sadness or sorrow. But, for example, in this test, you have a whole range of emotions in people's faces that you're looking at, and you have to determine what they're feeling. Well, just think about that in a, in a team setting or in your home with your wife or children or spouse, and you're looking in their eyes trying to say, okay, what are they feeling? So we took that test. We got back the results. Uh, we talked about it. We finished the two books, and uh, then we retook the test. Okay, now that was over a three-month period of time? Three-month period of time, yes. And, and, and let me just say, uh, clarify, you said the the test was a lot more than just about reading people's faces. Yeah, but yeah. that was just an example. Uh, yeah, and also scenarios. All the soft stuff that you were talking oh, about at the yeah. beginning. For example, it would be a question like, uh, Susan was happy and joyful. Then an event happened, and she became depressed. What happened? And then it gives you four or five choices, and they're close. They're close to one another, but you have to kind of make a judgment call, and, and uh, it's, it's fascinating. So they took the test, and then for three months you worked with them. Yes. Uh, and what did you do during that, those three months, obviously? Yeah. Uh, and I know you got some great stories of uh, some uh, breakthroughs on your team. I'll just say, you know, this whole idea – for our leadership team and for our mission as a whole has been so well received. People are hungry for it. They want to grow. We all want to grow in this arena. And you know, one of the one of the primary things that came out of this was addressing conflict in a healthy way. It's interesting because even in my background in my home and I grew up in a wonderful home with a pastor as a father who's passed away now, but even for me addressing conflict in a healthy way was not something that I learned a whole lot about in my family of origin. It just wasn't talked about. And my sense is that throughout our agency, our leadership team, and really throughout the Christian world, this is a big issue. It is. Uh, I've talked to one of my podcasts on care enough to confront. And I find especially in the Christian world, we suffer from terminal niceness. You know, we feel somehow it's not spiritual to confront our colleagues. And there are right and wrong ways to confront people. So you're absolutely right. I think most of us uh, do not really have a healthy way of dealing with conflict. Another theme that came up a lot was, I can do this better than anybody else can. And our, our leadership team wanted to work on that because that then moves into issues of delegation. Do you care enough to mentor and teach so that people can actually perform well so you don't always feel like I can do this better than anybody else? And for one person in particular, that was a big breakthrough for him because he had gotten to the point where he sort of resented the fact that nobody he was leading could really do jobs to get him over the goal line. And so we dug down a little bit deeper, and he realized, you know what, it's because I'm not spending the time that I need to spend to pour into their lives. And then a, a third real major theme was uh, everybody doesn't think the way that we do. And my wife, Celia, as you know, is a, is a guidance counselor in an elementary school, and she's been telling me for almost 30 years, you know, Henry, as shocking as this is for you, everybody doesn't think the way you do. <laughs> <laughs> and often it's been a little hard for me to hear, but that's another big area. 
you know, that uh, we expect everybody to think, to react, to feel the same way that we do. And when we don't, when they don't, there's resentment or anger or bitterness or whatever. And so those, those kinds of issues that our leadership team began to grapple with in their personal and professional lives was so healthy. Okay, we, what happened next? Well, uh, then we got into this personal x-ray, and, and every person had to fill it out. And I'm just going to read the categories quickly. This is in the Immunity to Change book. And basically, a personal x-ray is sort of an x-ray snapshot of each of our lives. Okay. A lot of transparency, a lot of vulnerability. So the first column is a commitment. What are you committing to do? Maybe it's to be a better listener. Maybe it's to gauge the emotions of others better. And that was a big one, Hans. As I mentioned a minute ago, looking at you, you know, what are you thinking? We found that there were lots of deficits in gauging and understanding the emotions of others well and then using our emotions in response well. So that's a commitment, one commitment. Then the second column, you, you say what you're doing or you're not doing. For example, if one of the issues or your commitment is, I want to I understand others' emotions better, uh, maybe what you're doing or not doing is you're not looking people in the eye. You're cutting them off mid-sentence before you hear from them well, completely. That's a, a real big issue we found. So you list those. What am I doing and not doing? The third thing is the hidden competing commitment. For example, something that may be hidden back in your heart is um, what this person is saying can't be as important as what I'm thinking, and so I'm not going to listen and I'm not going to understand them. Okay, And then the fourth thing is the big assumption. And the big assumption could be something like, I just mentioned, um, nobody's idea is as good as mine. Or a lot of people in our leadership team put a big assumption of conflict is bad. Now think about that. If your big assumption is that conflict is bad, that's not going to lead to a good place. I could not agree with you more. And it's so true. I'm that way because I grew up in a home that had a lot of drama. I did not grow up in a healthy home at all. And conflict made me feel so bad. And there was a lot of conflict in my home. So I avoided my home and I avoided conflict. And I found as a leader years later, wow, I'm a massive conflict avoider because to me it equals pain. And I want to, you know, it's just at all costs, i got to stay away from it. And see, that's a big assumption in your life. It is. And it's something I know you've worked on. Because I have worked through it because yeah. it's, uh, it's not comfortable. And uh, But I find a lot of people are, are in that place. And you said on your team there was a lot of that. Oh, a lot of that. I'd say probably at least 75 to 80% of us okay. identified that as a big issue. And, and what happened, Hans, was as people began to develop this x-ray, and it's just a, a – it's called x-ray because it's a look into your heart. Now, the Immunity to Change book is a secular book, but it's interesting how it applies to Christ followers. And I've said we actually have a leg up in this whole emotional intelligence arena because we are Christ followers. I mean, the whole Bible, the whole story of Jesus and the story of the Christian faith is about emotional intelligence. But when, when, our, when our leaders became acquainted with the personal x-ray, then they began to use it with their spouses. 
They began to use it with their children. They began to use it with the people whom they were leading. And so one guy gave a story. He said, look, I sat down with my son, and I talked through my, his, personal x-ray, and I said, you know what? You ought to do this same thing. And the idea is that we we addressed one commitment in the current personal x-ray. We're now through with the training module, but the idea is that in three months or six months or whatever, all of us will go back, we'll look at it, we'll understand how are we doing on this commitment, and then we'll do another personal x-ray with another commitment. Okay, could you give me an example of uh, how this applies in a family, a particular issue in a family that maybe came up in one of these people on your team or your own family? Sure. Give us an example. I will give you an example uh, because one of our leaders talked about the fact that um, uh, she was, what she would say, harsh with her family. In other words, uh, she would be, you know, the perfect person at the office and then get home and kind of, you know, kick the dog and, you know, put up the newspaper. and, and, And she was really convicted about that. And so that was kind of the focus of her personal x-ray, and it really extended beyond her family into her work environment because she didn't want to be emotionally one person in a work environment and another person at home. And she actually got this feedback from her family? Yes. That's and, excellent. And she's, she's addressed it. She is addressing it. And it's a powerful statement, man, because, you know, we, we've talked a lot about the afternoon and how Harvard Business Review has a study out that says you're you're much more likely to lie, cheat, steal, and you know do all <laughs> kind of things you shouldn't do afternoon after really? twelve o'clock because your willpower is diminishing, and so that's why at the end of a work day many people do go home and kick the dog and ignore their family or or speak to them harshly because they don't have anything left in the tank. So another big thing that we did as we were walking through this training module is to help people understand how do you restore the tank? How do you refill the tank during the day? So like for me, it's going to the gym at lunch, for example, and and doing some exercising, being sure you get a, a protein bar or something in the afternoon, but just understanding yourself So you know, like for me, for example, the best time of my day is like from 7 in the morning to 2 or so in the afternoon. And so for me, if I can, I try and avoid setting a really complex meeting or like a development review at 4 p.m. And that that kind of self-understanding, knowing what blind spots are and and trying to overcome them is critical. And, And that was another really good outcome from this training module. As I mentioned to you, I have a secret offer for you, a special offer from my loyal listeners. And if you've gotten this far in the podcast, I hope you'll go to hansfinzel.com slash free book. This is a private website. I'm not publicizing it. And I'm offering a free autographed copy of my book, Changes Like a Slinky, mailed to you with my autograph if you'll fill out this form. And uh, it's 
just available for the first 25 people who respond. Now, what I'm after is trying to understand you, my listeners, who who is listening to the podcast, who I can help, and how I can help you. So you'll have to fill out your name, address, email, etc. And I need your occupation because I'm trying to get that list of all the different kinds of people that are listening. And then at the very bottom of the form, you'll see leadership pain point. Please give me just one of your leadership pain points. That would really be a help. I want to scratch people where they itch. I really want to help you in your leadership. So if you'll go to HansFenzel.com slash free book, the first 25 people who respond will get a free autographed copy of this book from me. Thanks so much. Can you tell the story about the fellow who had the problem with uh, everybody thought he was angry? I love that story. Powerful. And Powerful I, story. I tell it every time I have a chance because it's such a good illustration of of this issue. In, in January, we had about 50 leaders from Jim meeting in Athens, Greece. And uh, we were just on the edge of rolling out the training module. It started in late April. And uh, he stood up and gave a testimony, and he said, I just want to say, and he said this in front of all 50 people, he said, uh, I come across as angry. I come across as harsh. My body language, my words, and I'm committing before you that I'm going to work on this. It's going to be the focus of my uh, journey through the training module, and I want you all to hold me accountable. And and he did it, and it was powerful. And he's one of the ones, actually, who shared this with his son. And uh, so we, we watched this transformation. Now, one thing... And I, we just had our annual conference in Germany, and I shared about this in a plenary session as well as in a seminar. And I did say, and I want to say to all who are listening to this podcast, you know, this is not the kind of thing that happens overnight. It's a, it's a, it's a lifelong transformation. It's a heart transformation. It's a journey for all of us because, I mean, I still catch myself doing and saying things that once they – get out of my mouth i wish i had them back you know so but uh but it is a journey toward a a really great goal and uh so this guy is on it and uh, he's already looking forward to doing his second personal x-ray when i uh was advising you on your dissertation and you told me you were going to take your leadership team through this i was a little afraid for you because <laughs> i've been a a CEO over a team of people and anything that comes from the boss of course they have to do cuz you're the boss but I thought wow this could be interesting to navigate because are they going to be transparent and vulnerable with their boss who has power over them uh what was your experience with that yeah. well and I did appreciate your counsel on that in that regard but I tell you I think the critical thing was and you counseled me on this was Henry you've got to go through it too and I did, and that made a lot of difference. Now, we had agreements on the front end. We agreed that uh, names weren't going to be used publicly and all that. So in my thesis, I've got all the test results and the personal x-rays in the back of the document, but there's no name attached to it and no way to understand you know, who it is. So the confidentiality is important. But the most important thing was we went through it as a team of Christ followers who wanted to be humble enough to be transparent, and uh, and and we all went through it together, and that was a, a very important part of it. So I didn't just say, "Okay, y'all have to do this, you have to do that," but I said, "We're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to take the 
the scientific test together, and I think that was a real key. And they saw the results of your test. Oh, yes. See, that is huge leadership credibility. I remember six or seven years ago, we started doing three 360-degree evaluations. It didn't start from my office. It started down among the ranks a few tiers down from me. But it wasn't long before everybody started saying, well, Hans, <laughs> when's it going to be your turn? Yeah. And and I didn't want to do it. I was afraid of what was going to show up, but I did. And it's huge credibility. You can't, as a leader, ask people to go on this kind of a journey if you're not willing to go on it yourself. Well, and it was that's a good word. And it's interesting because when we when we talked about our personal x-rays, and by the way, we've shared our personal x-rays with each other. That's wonderful. So all 11 of us have everybody else's personal x-ray. That's And when great. we talked about it on a particular phone call, mine was the first. Because I said, let's, let's talk about these. And I said, you know what, I'll just go ahead and talk through mine. And uh, I think that was important because I had things in there like um, sometimes I think, you know, I can't believe that everybody doesn't think exactly the way I do. Well, you know, after the laughter died down, it's, <laughs> yeah. a, it's a good thing. It's yes. a good thing to hear that because now they know that. They hear that from me, and, you know, they can, they can help me with that. Yeah, if in I'm, future conversations, Henry, now remember – we don't all think the way you do. Right. It really helps in meetings and strategies, right? Well, for me, absolutely. And for me, you know, one thing I've learned in this journey is the, the idea of putting a bias into a conversation. So, in other words, if I go into a meeting, there are four or five of us, and, and I think one way and I think the results should go here, what I've learned is I don't put that out on the table. Let my friends and colleagues talk. And, you know, if I want to have input, I can have input. But in the past, sometimes I would say, all right, you know, this is where we need to go. And everybody's yeah. like, well, why are we even here? Why are we even having this meeting? Yeah. You've already thrown down the gauntlet. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's a that's a big learning thing for me. Wow, huge. Well, what else? Uh, we're just about out of time. What else did you want to communicate about this process? Well, just quickly, as we ended, we retook the test. Uh, it was interesting. Some people's scores went up, some went down. But I asked a series of questions, and, and not bad going down. And, and you really don't look at the scores as such. As I said, we're all on a journey. But that was good, too, because some people said, look, the second time I was distracted, the second time I had less time or whatever. Or the first time, because yeah. I've read all that. Right. And I was interested that some of them said, I didn't take it that seriously at the beginning. Yes. And I was distracted when I took But as we got into the journey, I realized this is a lot better than I thought it was going to be. So I took the second test with much more seriousness. Absolutely. And and the, the, the concluding thing on those tests is it identifies where you need to focus. And that was good, Hans, for all of us, including me. What do you need to focus on in the whole spectrum of emotional intelligence? And that's what resulted in our personal x-rays. It just was a great journey. It is a great journey. Okay, so what advice would you have for people listening, uh, practical, uh, driving this home to application? How can people uh, get into this topic with maybe their own team or themselves? Well, after we left our annual conference, I sent out a note with six books that I would recommend that people pick up. I will put that on the podcast notes at HansFenzel.com so they yes. can get those six books. Yep. I would say start there, but if you're a team leader or, you know, call me, email me. I, I love, I feel like one of the reasons the Lord led me to this 
was to bless other people and other organizations with it. That's good, and I'll put your contact information yes. on there as well. And uh, what book would you recommend they read first? I'd start with the primer, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, and then I'd move to Immunity to Change. Now, there's some dryness in Immunity to Change. Yeah, it looks like a pretty, uh, it's Harvard Business Review. It's got to be pretty heady. But what you want to do is you want to focus on the personal x-ray sections. Okay. And that'll be the real meat of it. And this test, this miss, I can't remember how. M-S-C-E-I-T. Now, M-S-C-E-I-T. Is that it's probably expensive, but it's something that anybody can can buy and, and take with their team? You know, you really can't. The, okay. you go, go, to the, um, go to the website. I'll give you the website that we All can right, include we'll on, the, on, there as well. on yep. the podcast. But, like, for example, for me, I had to be supervised by a guy in our office in gym who had a certain level of, of education. Um, but, I mean, once you get that, once you fill out the paperwork, sure. I mean, it's available to the public. You just have to jump through a few hoops. And I think the test was, mm, it may have been $50 per time per person. I'm not sure. It's something like that. But a lot of things can be gotten out of these six books that you recommend. Oh, yeah. even That's where I'd start, test. yes. You know, this whole topic reminds me of that book Patrick Lencioni wrote, uh, Three Signs of a Miserable Job. And if you if you happen to remember, the third sign was lack of feedback, mm. where people hate their jobs if they never get any feedback about how they're doing and who they are in the organization. And this thing just speaks to me in volumes about how much feedback your team got through this process. Oh, it's huge. And, you know, we've actually shrunk our development review just every 60 days now for really? that very reason. Yes, because... People, especially the younger generation coming along, they, they want feedback. They, they want mentoring. They want you to pour into their lives, and we need it poured into our lives, too. I was telling somebody the other day, you know, great delegation is not treating people like the Energizer Bunny. You know, put a battery in them yes. and send them off. <laughs> people want feedback. Yes. This has been great, Henry. Oh, what a blessing. Thanks for the opportunity, Hans. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. This has been Hans Finzel. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Answer Man. Remember that leaders make great things happen. We can always take our leadership to the next level. I hope you keep listening and learning and that you go out there this week and make a difference with your leadership.